take a moment and let's just pray. And Father, thank you uh, that we don't have to wait for you to show up, but that you're already here. But Lord, our prayer is help us show up. Lord, our prayer is that right now your spirit would work in such a way that we would meet you different than we've met you before. Our passion, Lord, our desire is as a result of coming right now in this moment and meeting with you, we would leave here different from the way that we came in. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been following along, we're hitting the fifth week and the last week as we're leading to Easter on these, these five habits of every disciple and ways that we're to apply these different habits to help us grow in our path to discipleship, help us grow in the direction that the Lord wants to lead us. And we've had connect, pray, serve, give, and today will be what? Share. And what I'm hoping is that as we're encountering this final week, that there has been uh, growth as a result of applying these. That, that it's something we're going to continue to do in and through our life. That it's not just going to take Lent that I apply these things. But, but it, it'll be something I'm willing to continue to apply because Jesus is shaping us and molding us into be Christ followers. To be like Christ and to be his disciples. And applying these will help us do that. And I've been pressing in for myself and praying, Lord, help me. And as you prepare teachings on these different topics of what a disciple is, God creates opportunities to even grow myself um, in ways that I didn't know that I needed to grow a little bit more in connecting or whether it's praying or serving. And one of those ways that the Lord has revealed it to me and he wants to continue to reveal it to us. So here's the thing. When we're done today and you have the five, don't go, oh, I'm glad that's over. I don't have to do that anymore. I want you to say, how can I take these with me to continue to grow in my relationship with Christ? The Lord has given us an incredible opportunity to grow deeper and richer with Him. And that's the idea of using these. That these spiritual habits become this opportunity to grow as a disciple of Christ. And the truth is, if right now we're feeling distant from God, that's not on God, that's on us. God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. He's here. He's present. But it's, we feel distant. And these Amen. habits help us grow closer to him. And, and if you remember, James says, draw near to God and he'll what? Draw near to you. That's all we have to do. Our response is, how do I draw near to God? How do I draw near, closer to his relationship with who he is? And the people drew near to God at this great triumphal entry, something that we're familiar with on Palm Sunday. And I'm always a little taken back with Palm Sunday. I don't know if I'm supposed to be a little happy or a little sad. I'm not sure how we're supposed to respond. Do we dress up a little bit more than we do on Easter? Do we have a pre-Easter meal on Palm Sunday leading to Easter? What's, what's the proper response when we get to this? Because we know there's this celebration, the entrance of a king, this excitement, what's going to take place but we read the rest of the story right we know what happens this week we know the passion we know that what takes place we know the victory that's waiting for us but it always comes a little awkward to Palm Sunday it's kind of like Hosanna in the highest but I'm a little sad but I'm really happy because we know what's to come and the people gathered 
in response to who he was. They gathered because it was a culmination of three years of his ministry, of, of the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, the demonic being cast out, of the dead being raised, of teaching unlike they've ever seen or heard before, that they've encountered a prophet, that they've encountered a priest, and they've encountered a king. And then all these things have happened, and now they're, they're gathered for this celebration, and they've come together in recognition of who Jesus is. And there's this excitement, and it's the entranceway of a king as they're drawing near to God. And we read in Mark 11, 9 through 10. And if you read Mark 11, 9 and 10, you'll notice there's a lot of exclamation points. I can remember one time that um, I was overusing those, especially in communication. And I, you know, it's kind of like, it seems like I'm excited about everything, right? I end with an exclamation point. And I wrote to somebody and they said, why are you shouting at me? <laughs> so you, you took it the wrong way. I'm excited. I'm not, now, if I put all caps, I'm shouting. But, but the exclamation point was excitement. It says, then, they, then those who went before, those who followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that cry would be heard throughout Jerusalem. And many would hear the voices of those celebrating. And every person in the crowd who shouted Hosanna, which means save us, save us, we pray, had a different reason or a need to be saved. That they came for salvation in different ways or, or what they needed to be saved from. For some of them, it was a physical need that maybe they needed healing. For some, it was a financial oppression that they had needed to deal with. Or it was a political freedom that they were looking for from oppression of the Romans. But there was a different response for each person. Save us, we pray. Maybe we've had those responses or, or ways that we've prayed those prayers for specific needs that we have in our life. But Jesus came as a suffering servant for all those who would come to believe, not to fill a temporal need, but to give us an eternal life. And often we want him just to fix our temporal needs. What he's offering you is a life of eternity. And yes, he could meet those needs, but they were shouting out for different reasons and they drew near to God for different ways. So, so with knowing all of this and understanding what happened, when it comes to the share habit, why is it so hard for us to share this important news? What does it mean to share the gospel? What, what does that mean? Why is that important as a disciple to share the gospel? Well, the share habit simply means this. It's a willingness to bring the good news of Christ to others. That's it. That's the share habit. It's a willingness to bring the good news of Christ to others. And the gospel means good news. It's good news that we share. And what the gospel is telling us, it speaks about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's a simple understanding of that good news. And if it's true for most of us, when we encounter something in our life that has some kind of impact in our life, we get excited about it and we want to tell others about it, don't we? Something happens in your life, in your day-to-day -day encounter. You tell others. You go out to eat. I've tried this new restaurant. Man, this restaurant was so good, you have to try this restaurant. The opposite is true. This restaurant's so bad, don't ever go to this restaurant. <laughs> We, we share. We tell everyone things that we encounter, especially things that, 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 that 
impact us in a certain way. A car mechanic, man, I found this great mechanic. You gotta use this guy. He does exactly, he's fair in pricing. This is what he does. Or, or I go to this gym, I love my gym. You would love my gym if you came to this gym. They have all the different things. Or, or I have this hairstylist and they do an incredible job with my hair. We share these impacts, these things that happen. These, these, these things that take place in our life, we willingly share. What do you mean you've never been to Trader Joe's? Trader Joe's is awesome. <laughs> Has all the great prices, good product. I love Trader Joe's. We're, we're right quick to share. We become advocates for all these things. We're shouting, we put stickers on the back of our car, you know, to celebrate what it is. But what happened? We had an experience that altered the way we think and caused us to believe in something. A response, or our response is, I can't wait to tell other people about it. It's that simple. So why, when it comes to sharing the gospel, we hesitate? What is that? Why are we not excited to tell others about it? Why do we hesitate? Why do we step back from that? Well, I'm going to give you four reasons. Four reasons we don't share the gospel. And they're common. And it's okay, this isn't condemnation. It's just what happens as a result. And it's really what it is, is the enemy wants to keep you from sharing that good news. So what happens? First reason, lack of gospel knowledge, that we feel inadequate. How many Sundays after Sundays? Now I'm assuming that you're here, you're walking with Christ, you have a relationship with Christ. If you're new to this journey, hold on, i got some great news for you. But if you've been sitting around for some 24 hours, if you've done a few Sundays in your life, if you've been to a Bible study, there, there's this information that we've taken in, but we've not known how to recommunicate or how do I bring that back into others' uh, lives? How do I share that with them? And we've heard the information. And yes, we need some common knowledge of the Scripture. Yes, we got to get that in our hearts. But we got to share honestly and openly with others that we encounter about this good news. And it's simply just telling our story our good news about what Jesus had done in our life and how it's changed our life. Paul gives us an outline in the book of Romans. I encourage you to read that. But he gives an outline scripturally or theologically that we need to understand or we need to know. Maybe you've heard it, but it's a way that we came into this gospel message and our lives have been trans changed as a result of it. There's something called the Romans Road that is a way of sharing the text that we would understand that. And I want to encourage you that on our app, there is, or our website, there are announcements. You click on the announcements button, and underneath there will be an outline for you to look at the Romans Road and look at the scriptures and the text and the verse to understand that gift of sharing and what you're doing as a result of bringing that into someone else's life. Paul says, we've all fallen uh, short of what? The glory. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but what? The gift of God is eternal life. We've all fallen short. We've all have sin. That's a reality. That's, that's the truth. And that's why we need a Savior to save us from our sin. But God loves us so much, he gives a free gift of life. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we deserve. But it's gifted to us. It's just something that we receive. And God loves us in spite of our sin. Is that not good news? Is that not something worthy to celebrate and say, Man, I'm so grateful that God loves me in spite of me. That he loves me because I'm a sinner. He loves me because he created me in his image. And that's what Paul's saying. And then he says, then if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise of salvation if you believe that. 
And then he says, and all who call upon the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved. That's the message. That's what we share with others. That's our, our theological understanding of what Paul wrote to the churches, that they would grab hold of that change. So don't let that, that, that idea that I don't have the enough information hold you back from wanting to share that good news. Second thing is apathy. And apathy towards those who are lost. And we're apathetic because what happens is our lives get busy. And we just get busy about our natural lives. Our lives, if we're walking with Christ, we begin to create this new circle of friends, of believers. And we begin to build one another up and grow in those relationships. And then we begin to isolate from the world. But Jesus didn't call us to live in a bubble. He called us to get outside the bubble. And we have this apathy that takes place, and it creeps in, and we don't know we have it. It kind of comes with, well, I'm saved. Good luck for you, you know. <laughs> Hope you work that out. That's not what it's about. But, but we do. We have this apathy. Jesus looked out of the crowd. He wasn't apathy. He had compassion. And when he looked out of the crowd, and he had compassion. Compassion meaning he saw their suffering and and it wasn't enough just to see their suffering. He said, I will come alongside of you and suffer with you. That's compassion. That's when we flip from apathy to compassion. That's what he's calling us to do. But apathy keeps us from sharing that good news. Third thing, fear, my friends will think I'm nuts. Come on, get honest. They're going to go, oh, you're one of those, aren't you? Listen, when I accept Jesus into my life, I was 20 years old. And it was a radical transformation. And I sat in a Sunday morning and I raised my hand when I accepted Jesus into my life. And I didn't know what happened except I know I surrendered and I know I needed him in my life. And he met me in that moment. And what happened was afterwards, my grandmother came to me and said, you know, you're a born-again Christian now. I said, I absolutely am not. I said, I didn't sign up for anything. But we get paralyzed by this thought. If I share that, what, what's going to happen? If I share that, what's going to take place? And, and that we won't be willing to do that. And all of a sudden, that we'll be marginalized as a result of that. That we'll be mocked. That we'll be ridiculed. What will others think as a result if I share that? That fear comes in. But Timothy 2, Timothy 1-7 reminds us, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That we put our faith over fear in all things. And we trust God has called us to where he's leading us to go. And we don't let fear in that place and hold us back from the things that God wants to do. Listen, when I was also a new believer, I worked for a job that kept me out of church on Sundays, but I got convicted in my heart that I needed to be in church on Sundays. The Holy Spirit will do that to you, by the way, if you let him in your life. And I came, and I remember having to have a meeting with my boss, and I was just excited to be employed full-time for the first time. And here I am, and I, I have this job, and I'm a good worker now because I'm with Christ now, and I'm living a life trying to be in integrity, trying to live a life with purpose. And I had to go into my boss, and I knew God wanted me to do this, and I had to tell him, listen, I can give you six days a week, but Sunday's the Lord's. And I didn't know if he was going to fire me. I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew God would honor that. And with fear and trembling, I walk into my boss's office. And I said, here's the situation. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Fear, people think I'm nuts. And he said, what do you mean you can't? You get the work when the work is there. That's it. I said, listen to me. I can't work on Sundays because it's the Lord's day. And I'm committed, and whatever you have to do, you do. But I know I have to make this different. I have to set aside the Sabbath for him. 
and I hope you can understand that, and I'll give you six days a week, I'll give you nights, I'll give you whatever you want, but his is Sunday. I left there, he didn't fire me, and I wound up having this amazing relationship, and wound up you know, working there for some time after that, but I was willing not to be fearful, but put my faith over that fear to trust God had called me that. Fourth thing is we rationalize why we don't share that it's not my job. We rationalize it. What we say is that's the pastor's job. It's the pastor's job to bring Christ to others. Well, if that's true, we're in trouble, church. Because there's more of you than us. And I believe it's a priesthood of all believers, by the way. And that, that, that he's commanded us to go. But we leave it up. We, oh, that's the pastor's job. Let's leave the professionals. Let's leave this up to the professionals. They'll handle this whole sharing thing. That's not the Lord's voice. That's the enemy's voice. We're called to be this witness. Matter of fact, it's a command, not a suggestion. He commands us to be that witness, that we would go forth from town to town and village to village and share that good news, that we would be a witness of who Christ is in both word and deed, in what we speak and within our action. So what should we do? How do I put this share habit into place in my life? What steps can I take to make this habit so I can be a disciple that he wants me to be? I'm going to give you three things that we can do to help you share or help you begin to walk in that share habit. If you've been around a while, you know that we've been talking the pathway of discipleship is loving, learning, and leading. That's the direction that we come into this understanding of who Christ is, and we begin to be formed and shaped as his disciple. But the same is true when we share, that, that we encounter that love, and that love we encounter is unconditional. What that means is you're not allowed to put a condition on love, but we do that. But he didn't do that. Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's called unconditional love. So we can't put a condition on love. We come to the Father and we love him, and then we love others, because he's put those two together unconditionally. And it begins first that I have to have love. If, if I have indifference, then I don't have Christ, because God is love. Now, if I have that love, then there's going to be a burden for those around me, a compassion for those around me. So I have to love unconditionally. Second is we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to listen. But not just listen. Learn to listen intently. Listen. Then listen some more. When we encounter people, there's all sorts of pain and hurt and, and, and things that are going on in their life. And often we come in with all our, our preparedness and we do all the talking. And they do all the listening we got to reverse that. Let them do all the talking. We do all the listening. And then when God makes that opportunity available, we come in with that good news that we can share with them. But we have to learn to listen intently. Third is we lead by example how we live our life. Tell them who Christ is in the life you live. Tell them about it in the life you live. Live in such a way that others will come to know God as a result of meeting you. Can you imagine that? That others will come uh, as a result of, of redemption because they met you. That's what Jesus wants to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Not just in the words that we have, but in the deeds that we do, in the life that we live, in the life that he's calling us to do, that we're to bring that into others' lives. Now, I told you I've been practicing the habits as well as trying to really search in it. Lord, how can you use me within these habits? What, what can you do in ways that will help me, Lord, um, to grow in them? So um, I don't know why this happens, but you ever notice if you own more than one car, they all break at the same time? It's like kind of like domino effects. Like this one needs to be fixed, and you like get it, and then the other one's check engine light goes on. You're like, really? 
I think I'm going to go back to bicycles or something, just kind of like simplify this process. So I have another car, car and I'm going to a shop and I have to get it fixed and I have to get something done to the car and I was going to take a short while, it wound up going to be an hour, I was going to leave, I was thinking about all the things I got to get done within that hour, I'm busy, uh, I have all these places to go, phone calls to make, things I can do, and it winds up I get kind of stuck in this vortex of waiting, and while waiting I get time with a mechanic who's working on the car, and I begin to just spend time in a place that I wasn't really planning on spending time with, but the Lord said, why don't you hang out a minute, I said, okay. So there I am with a baseball hat on, sweatpants, a t-shirt, and I'm getting my car fixed, and a conversation begins to take place, and I love people because God loves people. And as a result, we just have this conversation. Nothing spiritual, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing extraordinary. It's about life. It was just loving someone else in a way of being visible and available, and the conversation takes place, and, and it all ends, and we exchange some information, and I head home, and I get a text back, and it says, dude, you're a priest. I am. And he said, no wonder you were so patient and understanding and kind. And I'm like, who were you talking to? I didn't feel that way at all. See, when you accept Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit comes upon you in life, you become a new creation. And when you become a new creation, a light bulb goes on. A light of life goes on. And what happens is when you gather and spend time with people and learn to love people in that way, we leak light. I leaked. In a good way. But that's why I need the Lord, because I leak. I don't know what's going on up here. Enemies trying to steal our voices today. So we have to be willing, we have to recognize where that takes place to live a life in such a way of these habits of, of spending time with others. And it's through these habits that we'll, we'll begin to transform those that we have an encounter with. But we're also being transformed as a result of it, as we bring these habits into people's lives. The reason people notice and the reason people have an encounter, whether you have all the biblical knowledge or you're just living a life for Christ, the reason they notice is because we're living in a world that hungers and thirsts for truth. And what it's going to do is search everywhere else but the truth first. And that's okay. And what we have to do is bring the truth. And then we, we encounter them. So when they're hungry, we can give them something to eat. And when they're thirsty, we can give them something to drink. And what is it? It's the good news of what's happened to us. And it's the good news of how we've met Christ and it's changed our life and we share that with others. And we can see a world that's deceived and lost and hurting and broken. And what we can go and say, you know what? I've got some good news. What do you mean you have? I got good news. What's going to take place as a result if you would just listen what I want to share with you? And God has a plan, a plan to bring salvation to people all around of us. And that plan to bring salvation to all around, to those that we encounter, is by his people of God being a witness for God, to be his hands and his feet. And not just when we gather on Sunday, which is glorious, and we get to spend time and keep the Sabbath as we're called, but the church is so much greater than just the place. It's the people that make up the church of God. And it's as we gather together that, that God is exalted and celebrated within our life. But the church is greater even than just one place. See, the goal is not to get the community into the church so much as the church into the community. Amen. That we're to get Christ into others. So that we're not just coming together, but we do come together to celebrate the Sabbath, but we bring that good news when we leave. That's the idea when we leave here, to share the good news, to bring it into someone else's life. Now I want you to close your eyes a minute, and I want you to pray with me.
I want you to think about these habits. Connect, pray, serve, give, share. Maybe you've had some struggle in one of them or two of them or all of them. It's okay. But the Lord wants to use your willingness to begin to grow because he's calling his disciples for such a time as this. So I want you to begin to ask the Lord, maybe there's areas where you just have weakness. And just in the still of your heart, say, Lord, meet me in my weakness. Meet me right now in this moment. Help me connect better with you and love others. Help me to pray better so I can forge that relationship and grow and, and walk with you. Lord, help me serve to be your hands. Lord, help me give because you've given us the greatest gift of eternal life so that I can, too can be a generous person. Lord, help me share, even if it's just spending time with people, so they, too, can encounter your love. Now, what I want you to do, based on this share habit, is each one of us have two or three people in our life that maybe we've been praying for, maybe we think about, and they don't know the Lord. They're distant from that relationship, but God has a plan for their life. But what I want you to do is, is use this habit right now and say, Lord, those two, three people that are coming to mind right now, how can I invite them over this week? How can I bring them to Holy Week? How can I invite them to Easter Sunday? Because there's a time when people are searching and we have an opportunity to reach them. So I want you to commit right now to those two or three names and say, Lord, you just make a way. Open the door. And you begin to move in their heart and whether I can invite them to join online or they're willing to come in person, but you'll bring that holy encounter. And Lord, I pray that you allow those holy encounters this week to occur that would bring you glory. There's one last thing. To get on this pathway of discipleship and on this journey, you have to ask Christ into your life that way. You have to turn and repent and say, Lord, I surrender, but I need you in my life that way going down that Roman's road and understanding that gift of life that he gives is eternal, but we have to accept it in. And I don't know your heart, but God knows your heart. But I want to give you a chance to respond to God. So if you don't know him that way, you want to pray to know him that way, you want to get on that pathway of growing in that relationship, I want you to pray a prayer with me and just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Take control of my life and make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's really important if you prayed that, that you let us know. If you're online, you can right now let us know by giving us some information, the connect button, or that'll come up. Or even in person, um, with COVID, we've kind of kept things is as simple as we can, isolate, but you can let someone know, one of the hosts or someone through the door, and what we're going to do is come alongside you, get some information, and help you on this pathway of discipleship. Amen? Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.